Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. It's been a small hiatus, but we're back. Myself, Brad, and Keely were here side by side. Official Sounders FC podcast. Um, it's great to be back. Um, to be honest, the form on the pitch hasn't quite been, I think, what most of us would have wanted. But big opportunity this weekend, always, when you play against the Portland Timbers. And just a massive, massive game for the Sounders, who, to be fair, have done quite well in Portland in recent times. So hopefully get the win there. We will be covering that, previewing that, looking back at what's taken place in the past couple of weeks, couple of signings. But only one place really to begin, I think, is a couple of huge coaching um, announcements here with the Sounders on that staff. We've talked so much in the past about, yes, it's Brian Schmetzer, but it's what a staff he has. I mean, the experience there, you have national team for Mexico in Gonzo, you have a Champions League winner in Jimmy Trari, someone who's played for the club, both of them played for the club. So it really was a stacked bench and not only one, but two of them leaving. So it's really going to test um, Brian Schmetz. I'm curious to see how they replace that. But Gonzo's leaving to be head coach at Atlanta United. Big, big job. Big, big, big shoes to walk into there. But the kind of person he is, kind of personality he is, I have no doubt that's what he wanted. And I think he's been waiting for a head coaching chance for a while, actually, to be honest. And then Jimmy leaving back to Europe. I don't think they've publicly announced what it is. Um, but, you know, knowing Jimmy, speaking with Jimmy, I've known that it's something that, you know, he's been looking into for a while as well. So two big losses. And Brad, we both play with Jimmy. You play also with Gonzo. I do know Gonzo um, quite well as well. Just your overall initial reaction um, to this news. Yeah, a little bit, you know, shocked that everything kind of came at, at once. Um, and... It's always going to be tough now, uh, replacing Gonzo, replacing Jimmy, because you kind of look back at just their legacy as Sounders um, yeah. from from their playing days. It would be different if it was just a random a random coach coming in and and you know a year or two ago and then they leave, right? Like, you know, if Preki came in and just was here for a year or two and then left, I don't think it's 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 news, but it is it doesn't have that same feel and the way that the Sounders have presented it on social media, especially. Um, you know, it, it has meant a lot to them to be a part of this club as a player uh, successfully and then as a coach being extremely successful also. So it just adds a little bit more of a gut-wrenching feeling losing these two guys. Um, they put a lot of effort into, um, you know, not only being uh, good people, but, but working as hard as they could to be great coaches. Uh, and you can really see it in Gonzo's aspirations to, to be a head yeah. coach. And his, you know, when he first came in as a player, he spoke English, but it wasn't like his confident style of speaking. And then that slowly gained and, and he really educated himself and, and um, you know, really immersed himself into the Sounders and, and being in Seattle and um, pushing himself to be the best coach that he could. And you can tell when it's in someone's DNA and it's certainly in his DNA to be a, to be a head coach because he's, he's organized. He's uh, he has a great vision um, and he's got a great past playing experience. And the same can be for Jimmy. 
And I think Jimmy's approach is a little bit different. It's, it's a it's a little bit more relaxed. But then once he gets a hold of the defenders, it's it's hard work. It's hard training, right? So I think that they coach um, both a little bit differently. But yeah, a big loss. And I'm interested to see how the Sounders fill this role. Um, you know, I spoke to you know Andy Rose. Like I would love to have him as part of a coaching staff. Steve, you've been coaching. Why not? Right? Like Chad Marshall. You always want to have guys who have been uh, part of this club to step in and, and, and fill a role. So it'll be interesting to see what the Sounders do from here on out. Um, and it will really show us, was Gonzo the biggest part of this tactical Sounders team? And can Schmetz continue that and continue to evolve? Um, or has this been really Schmetz's pure brainchild and Gonzo and Jimmy were kind of along for the ride? Judging by past interviews, it's been a complete team effort in how they all work together and ideas with Precky, Jimmy, um, you know, even Tommy's in there talking about mentality all the time. So it's going to test the Sounders. Um, at this point, it's a pivotal point in the season, right? Uh, tactically, I think Gonzo may have been a little bit checked out the past couple weeks because the Sounders didn't seem to be tactically on top of their game uh, and he's missing for a game or two. So um, we'll see. It's it's going to test the Sounders, and and the faster that they can fill that role is going to benefit the group. Um, but now, how do you find the right pieces? Uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for the next chapter. Um, would love to see someone that has been involved with the Sounders beforehand, though, step in once again and just keep that culture of continuity because that's what's made this club so successful. I feel like Brad, you've been like Nostradamus this season, so we haven't lost to an LA team yet. And you said that Schmetzer could win coach of the year if he like had to do plug and play and deal with adversity or whatever. And I feel like if ever there's a year where he would win coach of the year, if they continue to succeed after losing these two huge parts of the coaching staff, I mean, it's a huge opportunity for everybody. I agree with you. Um, I still don't think they give it to him. I think Schmetzer has to like literally, I mean, walk on water or what else move, has to happen? Move mountains. I, I don't know. I think they just won't give him that award. He should have won it by now. I mean, coming of course, been, he's been unbelievably um, successful since since taking over. But Brad's right. It, it's gonna not not reveal in that's not the right word, but it's gonna test Schmetz in a lot of ways that he hasn't had to be tested yet because. He knows how to work with Jimmy. He knows how to work with Gonzo. Part of being on a successful team and a coaching staff is knowing how to disagree, how to have difference of opinion and still making it work. Anyone you bring in, you have to relearn all of those things on the fly. And you're not replacing one, you're replacing two very, very important players um, in, in that team they have. So that's going to be, for me, a big challenge mid-season trying to do that, learning to work with a new staff. I think they're going to have to just wing it, um, for lack of a better term, between now and the end of the season and then really address it and nail it down in the preseason. Maybe they have a coach's retreat. Um, they, they go away somewhere and really get to know each other because that's a big part of it. He trusted Gonzo. He trusted Jimmy with his life. He would hand team talks to them. He'd hand over tactics to them. Um, it's hard to rebuild that trust right away, no matter who um, you bring in. So we'll see. Now, how does this translate to what, you know, the most important matter at hand is what takes place on the pitch past couple of weeks results haven't been great I think for, from what I saw you know I was away for a couple of weeks but obviously still follow um I think the game against Kansas maybe would have been the low point because that was a direct rival the team you're jockeying for position at the top with and they came into your stadium and gave you a pretty good hiding to, to, to be honest and 
right now they're the ball. That's who's the ball. Good news, Nico's back. Scored a tremendous goal in uh, midweek. Um, again, he, I think he can miss three or four years and still come back and be, be the best. Like, he's just that good. It doesn't matter. He, he's exceptional. Um, he's back. You still have Raul Montero scoring goals. So I still feel good about the team. The Portland game is a massive game because the season now goes in one of two ways. Sanders will be in the playoffs. Yes, we know that. Do they win support shield, one of the favorites, or do they go in as a third, fourth seed, you know, kind of win some, lose some? I think it'll go in one or two directions. They'll go back to being the team that wasn't conceding goals, that was rock solid and was just winning every week some way, or there'll be a team that wins some, lose some, and sort of, you know, has uh, just above 500 record, um, still makes the playoffs comfortably, but maybe not the powerhouse. That's sort of where I think we'll see. And I think Sunday um, will give us a good idea of that. I'm curious how you both see well, mid-August, a couple months left regular season, how you see the rest of regular season playing out um, for the Sounders. What did we overachieve in the start of the season? I think without question we did. And maybe now we're seeing a bit more of a realistic um, results, I think is probably right. But how, how does this play out rest of the season? Is it a top two seed team? Are we more of a third or fourth seed? I'm curious of your thoughts on that. Um, I was just going to put everything into perspective. Like you're too alternative ways of us going are both like first world problems exactly like just to like sort of like bring back perspective like you know those are totally first world problems i you know i I don't know you know i think the latter part of that steve was um do we see ourselves as the just above 500 team no no definitely not did we overachieve with the lineup absolutely Uh, But that's a credit to, you know, the coaching staff and what they were able to pull out of these players. And I think what you're seeing in the past couple of weeks isn't going to be indicative of what you see of the Sounders moving forward, because like you said, we get Steph, uh, we get Steph back at some point too, um, which we all know best goalkeeper in the league. Um, And he will have enough time to get to where he, he'll have to have a second preseason. Um, But as a goalie, you know, I think I think it's probably easier for a goalie to step in and perform right away than it is for a field player, right? To get 90 minutes fit as a field player and, and games is really difficult. If there's a player that can do it right off the bat, it's Nico, right? Yeah. If we can get Nico back, keep him healthy, fantastic. Uh, if, if we can get Nuhu back, we still haven't seen him for over a month, right? If we can get him back healthy and through the end of the year, fantastic. I think the Sounders team at full strength is a, is a no-brainer to win this conference, yeah. Uh, Kansas City is good, but I still think Sounders at full strength is better than Kansas City at full strength. Now, if it's a home home game, it's going to be really difficult for the Sounders to win in the playoffs at Kansas City. Um, so that's where it is first world problems, but all these things shake out into, okay, if we would have, you know, put the extra effort in here and there in August and September, maybe we have a home game throughout the playoffs. So Yes, but we it's first world problems. We have to be thinking consciously about the repercussions of not performing our best all the time because these two teams stand out in the West um, by far. I don't think there's another team that even comes close. Yeah. The Galaxy can do it offensively sometimes, but defensively, there's no way that team wins a championship. Yeah. LAFC has uh, been a mess, too. LAFC has been a disaster. Uh, defensively, they're atrocious for the past couple years. Um and supporters shield, I, you know, New England is good. They're really good. Um, they've got a lot of MLS veterans sprinkled in with some top quality TAM DP players. 
Uh, and that for me is obviously the team to watch over there. I think Orlando has something special sometimes and they're really, really difficult to play. I'm sure in Orlando, um, Supporter Shield just doesn't yeah. mean much yeah, to me. Like, yeah. you only play Atlanta and Columbus, there's no way that you can say Supporter Shield means anything yeah. anymore. Yeah. Until you play each team home and away, that's the only time for me that the Supporter Shield matters. Because you have no – I mean, I'm sure MLS could do an article. You have no barometer of how good the East actually is versus the West because yeah. I don't think any of us are thinking about it. And they'll, they'll be – I'm sure – you know, they'll break it down on that website and say, okay, points per game, technically this side is better than the other, but who knows, right? Like yeah. the West could be beating up on the West, the East could, you know, so um, supporter shield doesn't matter to me. Okay. Yes. It matters in terms of playoff home, right? Home field advantage moving forward through the playoffs. Yes. That means significant amount, but that supporter shield feeling of pride does not mean anything to me anymore. Um, yeah. until you play each team home and away. And <clears throat> in terms of Schmetz being coach of the year, it, it'll either be him or Bruce for sure. Yeah, good point. I, Peter, I guess, could be up there, but unless he wins Supporter Shield, he won't be chosen. So it's, it, it's, it's Bruce or Schmetz at this point, for purely for what Schmetz has been able to do with his lack of starters and obviously what Bruce has been able to do in not only rebuilding and, and, and bringing that new England franchise back to um, not greatness, but, but being a great team. Um, and, and obviously if he wins technically the supporter shield or the bet most points, then he's going to win it. So yeah. um, it's between those two right now. And if Schmetz can write the ship when he gets these guys back, see no reason if they're really close on points that, that he wins it. Yeah, I think, you know, part of the problem here with Seattle, we talk about first world problems, is, but it, it, it's what comes in the territory now, you know. We, we play for the club, we understand that you, you, it's win or win. There's no other alternative. We never settle for being a middle of the pack team. And even if the Sanders was sneaking as a fourth seed or fifth seed, that's fine, but we still wouldn't be happy. And we saw with the US women's national team where... You give anybody the chance to be the third best team at the Olympics, a bronze medal is not a failure. But because it's them, they have to win. They have to get gold. And we see it as in, if they don't get gold, it's a failure. What's wrong? We've got to blow this up. So we have a bit of that here in Seattle where and the ultimate success is MLS Cup. Anything less is a failure. And that's just the way it is. So um, I would much rather that than being in a position where like, you're not expected to win and you know you, you high-five each other after sneaking into the playoffs on the last day. We don't want that here in Seattle. So I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, quickly to Sunday, away to Portland. Honestly, I think they've underachieved this year. They're not the same Portland. They, they should be a much, much better team than they are. Is Diego, uh, both Diego's a little bit older. Not here to make predictions, but sort of maybe a feel for how you think the game will go. I do think Seattle win. I do think Seattle goes to Portland and gets to three points. I do think um, um, it, it's a game for the Sounders to win. Um, how much of Nico do we see? Do we play? I, I'm curious, sort of, what will be your approach in Schmetz's chair with this game? And yeah, the one, the the one luxury up? with a 3-5-2 is that you can play that home and away. And I think that that yeah. is an advantage for the Sounders now. I think in years past, we've you know played a 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, and then when we go away from home in a derby game, we might tinker things a little bit um, and that can kind of throw you off just, just a little bit. Although we've gotten some fantastic results down in Portland, 
but we've also got smash down there. So I think a three, five, two provides you the option, obviously to play five in the back at times and to absorb pressure and play a counterattacking style game. And what I like about Raul is that away from home, um, he still, you know how Clint would play up top. Freddie plays up top. Uh, Loomberg would play up top and drop. If they didn't see the ball for 20 minutes, they're dropping super deep. And then now instead of having a three, five, two or a five, three, two, we have five, four, one or yeah. a five and a five almost at times. There's no outlet up top. And I just really like his discipline to say, okay, I'm going to only get seven touches in a game, but I'm going to play the game. How it's, this role, how it's supposed to be played. And I'm going to sit up top. And so I hope to see that in this game is really the Sounders keep and hold that structure because I think that will pay dividends um, throughout the course of the game. It might, might, might not be pretty. Um, and the Sounders, what I, Portland is to me is more dangerous on set pieces. Um, for some reason, I just think of their two center backs as being mm-hmm. pretty good in the air and, and, and pretty good at set pieces. But They've gotten crushed the past, you know, couple games um, in July and, you know, August has been a bit better um, playing at home against Salt Lake. But, you know, I I don't know what to expect out of this Portland team. You know, how do you, you know, you beat LAFC Dallas and then you get crushed by Austin, Um, you know, and Minnesota seems to have their number. So I'm sure that the Sounders will be looking back and saying, okay, what's Minnesota done well against this squad and, and can we, um, pick some pieces from those results and, and try to pick them apart. Yeah. Uh, Portland will be thinking the same thing, right? Sounders haven't been good as of late, great as of late. Um, so what what have they done well and what have teams done well against the Sounders that have provided them some challenges? Um, it'll be a fast start from Portland. And if they can get one early, that's a team built off confidence. Exactly. Unless yeah. you have Ariaga just crush Diego in the first <laughs> three, four minutes, then you know, you're in for a, <clears throat> a good fight. But Derby game, um, we haven't seen one of these in quite a while, so I'm sure that everyone's going to be super excited. Extra bonus, the f- supporters have actually announced that Cascadia Cup is back this year. Back so on. Cascadia Cup is back on. Exactly. Um, in terms of predicting Portland, it's really hard because I feel like they're so inconsistent in their feast or famine, and sometimes they're like, un- they look unstoppable, and then sometimes it's like, this is Portland yeah. Timbers. Like, yeah. So, but it's a derby game, so you never know. What about um, Ibobase? What prompted that trade? I'm, 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 I'm surprised because yeah. last year I did an article for MLS talking about you know, different, you know, who's top five. And I really don't actually enjoy doing those articles. I'm learning. It's very hard to compare players and rank players. Just appreciate the players. But we did one of those. And, you know, Merritt was messaging me, was, was texting a little bit, and, you know, he could text. Um, you know, he's complaining why I overlooked a few of his players. And then we just began to talk about other stuff. And then he took it to Twitter and was talking about a Bobacy. And then Herc jumped in and you know, Herc, he's Gomez, not straight. We were all just having a big debate. And he seemed very high in Bobacy and they really like him in Portland. You know, I still have some friends down there. They're really high on him. I was shocked by that trade. Um, still young, still so much potential. So I'm not sure if he initiated it or if it just was a difference in philosophy, but I think they'll miss him. I think they could have got way more out of him. And I think San Jose has a very, very good pickup there. Uh, just not that fearful of Portland's attacking group. They can counter if they get a goal, absolutely. If you have Diego Valeri, you know, even in his 
age and stage of his career he, on his days he's fantastic he, he's just a special special footballer but the attacking core doesn't scare me quite as much as maybe at times in the past it would have I think there is a gap between the very best sounds attacking group and the very best Portland Timbers attacking group right now and I thought Bobby's he actually helped them so yeah I'm a bit surprised and I'd like to actually message Mary and ask what was behind that because you were just so high on him a year ago. Um, so I'm surprised. Um, Sound is Portland in Portland, 7 p.m. kickoff, um, which means 7.22. Um, Sound is against Portland. Should be a great game. Should be a really, really good game. And recent form is similar for both teams. Um, last six games, Portland has two wins. Last five games, two wins, a draw and two defeats. So did the Sounders. So Thank similar you. form, derby game. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be joined by the myth, the legend, Jess Fishlock, um, no stranger to anyone on this podcast, no stranger to anyone who's Seattle Sports or who's paying attention. Um, great, great player, great person. Um, she'll be joining us shortly as the rain get ready to play in Kansas this weekend. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Side by Side. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, honestly, this is someone that needs, to me, no introduction. She's been on a few times. She was just on the Sounders broadcast, replacing me and did a much better job than I do. From what I was told. From what I was told. And um, needs no introduction. You know, for me, a Seattle sports legend, one of the best players I'm in the country. Jess Fishlock is with us. I believe you're in Kansas, yes, for a game? Yes. Hi, everybody. Yes, I'm in Kansas right now. Um, so I think let's start right there. Give us sort of the lowdown. How the season's went so far? I know there's been a coaching change, which is never easy mid-season. Um, we've had that in the sounds before. Just kind of an overview of how the season went so far. Yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a slow start for us. Um, it, as, to be honest, the whole kind of season has been a little bit inconsistent. Obviously, it's Olympic year, so players come in and out, and we had a couple of signings that came in real late as well. So I would say the last kind of two months, we've had a little bit of more consistency. Um, obviously, we had a coaching change as well. So it's been a little tough on our group, but um, we are actually coming out of it really good and in a, in a great spot now. And, and hopefully we can start kind of climbing <clears throat> the table a little bit. But yeah, last month, last six weeks, we've been really turned a corner. Um, which is great for us because our team is is really good and and when we're kind of all gel, it's 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 pretty, it's nice. Uh, talk about that coaching change a little bit more. The Sounders are no stranger to you know a slow start mm -hmm. having a coaching change in 2016 and then going on to MLS Cup with a couple key additions. So there might be some similarities there. What what brought about the coaching change and what's been the new attitude with with the new coach? Yeah, look, I think I think in truth, what is what is a little bit kind of difficult um, for us at the minute is that we obviously got, we were Rain FC and then we got taken over by OL Rain, which are uh, obviously a, a massive club in Europe. And then so the first year, which would have been like last year, obviously there was COVID. So that kind of transition that we'd had just got delayed a little bit. And I think everybody knows that a massive change like that, huge transition of, of clubs and ideas and identity um, would take a bit of time, throw COVID into that. And, you know, it just was a really slow start. And so I think 
the situation that we found ourselves in was just some teething problems of, of two massive franchises coming together and figuring out who we want to be, how we want to be, where do we want to go, what we want to look like, culture differences, you know, and we were just trying to figure out how that worked and how that looked. Um, I actually think Fareed did, did a pretty good job with kind of what he had, but it just wasn't really kind of gelling, you know, we weren't gelling. And I think that there's a lot of different reasons for that, but I definitely think that the whole kind of culture thing was, was a big one. And so, you know, we just had Sammy come in, who's known the club from the very beginning and, you know, made a few subtle changes, but, but like really important ones. And, and we've just managed to kind of really then gel a lot easier um, and then we've had the performances that we've had over the last kind of six weeks. So I, like I said, I, it's hard because you go, it wasn't really like, there wasn't a really big reason as to why we decided to have a change or whatever, whoever was in charge decided to have a change. But there was enough of those little things that were just not working that were big enough to go, okay, <clears throat> maybe we need to just take a different approach to this kind of situation. Um and so, yeah, and now we've got in Laura. Who has been there before and was very successful. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she was former Arsenal ladies coach as well, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So known about her for a while. Um, looking at your squad, to me, you know, I'm not the biggest women's game connoisseur, but I do follow and I do understand the game. And you guys have some, it's a, it's a very good squad, in my opinion. And you've been here for a while. I wonder how not to compare but how you would sort of stack this squad against some of the other ones you've been on? I mean, you've signed, you know, French international forward, for example. Like, these are good, good players you have, a lot of experience. How does this current squad compare to maybe some of the teams you've been on in the past? Um, it's high up there for sure. Um, I think if I were to just say, is this probably the best rain squads that we've had on paper? Um, I'd probably say, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a couple of players, you know, Hope, you can't replace Hope, you can't replace Kimmy. Um, but if you look at the kind of squad holistically, would I say that's probably the, the strongest, um, especially from a depth, depth perspective? 100%. I don't really want to compare it with the European teams I've been in because it's a completely different game over here and I just don't think you can do that because there's players that will be successful in Europe that wouldn't be successful here, who would be good here but wouldn't be in Europe and so you know, I don't want to do that but what is super fun is that we do have Eugenie Le Sommer and uh, Jenny Marajan and Sarah Bouhadi that that are coming over from, from kind of Europe and we get to see what that kind of looks like, you know. Um, I've played with all of them before at Lyon, so it's fun to have them in this environment because I'm like, yeah, you don't do that in France, do you? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun. What's the difference between, like, the American game and the Europe? Like, what's the difference that you've sort of noticed between them for people? Yeah, look, I think one of the biggest differences is, is how fast the transition is over here. Um, in, in Europe, there's transition. And I think actually, I don't even think it's a difference. I just think it's a capability. Like the best teams in Europe, even from the men's side specifically, they're super fast in transition. You know, Liverpool wiped the Premier League away because of their transition. And it's just, 
you know, if you get that right, then you're pretty unstoppable. And, and over here, teams really try to do that really, really well. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the, the capabilities of being able to do that for 90 minutes is a little bit mind-blowing. Um, sometimes I'm like, can we just, like, take a little second because I'm 34 and I can't do this transition game all the time anymore. But um, I think that they're getting used to that now. It took them a while to understand that kind of side to it um and yeah I think it's more the outside kind of effects over here in America that make it make it much more difficult than Europe the travel the weather you know we went to Orlando we couldn't train for two days because of the storm we just came to KC and had the biggest storm I've ever seen so you know there's things to that that they're like wow like you have to be really switched on over here all the time you know and they also say that if it was in Europe by now, their league would be finished because you lose one game and it's done because it's not super competitive. Whereas here, every game is is just hard and it's 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 competitive and you win or you lose and they're just not used to that. So um, it's really interesting actually, and I, they enjoy it I think. But sometimes I think they would just like a little bit of a easier game just to get a little bit of rest. But that doesn't happen over here. <laughs> um. I want to talk about soccer IQ and, you know, when you watch certain sports, you can immediately pick out uh, the players that have a different brain in the way that they perform in the way that um, they see things happening on the field. Right. Uh, I went to the storm practice a couple of weeks ago and just watching Sue. Um, she knows every pass that's going to be made and, and how it should be made. Right. Like she has the capability there to stop practice and tell the team what to do. Right. And that's that basketball IQ. And where does that come from? Who knows? Right. You watch soccer game, you watch Nico. It's the soccer IQ. Like, where does that come from? And when I think a lot of fans watch you, it's the same thing. Where does that come from? It's the soccer IQ and how you're able to attain that and where you think that came from. And do you see the same things when you watch other sports as well, men's sports and women's sports? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you very much. Very nice thing for you to say. Um, <laughs> And secondly, yeah, of course, you will, you will always get the players that just have a different level of understanding to what the game is um, and what the game needs, I think, specifically is what makes those players kind of stand out, you know, because they can see. I mean, I always say that sports, especially team sports, basketball is very similar to football in a way that it kind of is tactical and you have to get the ball in and out, whatever. Um, is it's like a chess game, right? And it's constantly changing all the time and the pictures are constantly changing. And what kind of sets you apart is do you recognize those pictures are changing and can you solve those problems in the space of no point? five seconds right and that that is actually the way that I view football is all about space can you understand the space can you manipulate the space and then all of the tactics and stuff that you do will just is just helping you understand how you need to manipulate that space how you need to offset the opposition what they do and to stop you doing what you're very good at and then how do you then counter that again for me that's what football is it's just in your you play it in your brain and then you just use your feet to, to play out what you see in your head. And I think that is the majority of, of sports, especially team sports. Um, and I think that that's what makes it so fun. I mean, that's what makes it so fun for me. <clears throat> um, 
and yeah I think for me how I feel like I kind of got that was just through watching so much football I mean I watched the Premier League since I was like eight just week after week after week after week after week and then I just understood pictures and problems and that kind of stuff you know so yeah that for me is is how I think football is which I know is very weird and different to a lot of things but uh, I, I absolutely love that and I think you obviously made you know, your mark here in um, Seattle area in Washington you've had loans I think you were with Reading during part of last season as well um, but internationally you've definitely made your mark I think at, what 150 100 15 plus I know you know the number you can tell us but I actually I actually don't oh I know it's, 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 it's okay I'll look it up I'll look it up yeah it, it, I think it's, it's I, like 120 maybe 122 I, um, talk about some of that that pride in playing that many games for your country for me that's the pinnacle of sports when you can play for your country that you're from with other players also from there you represent something so big um yeah. so the pride of being with your national team and also give us an idea of where the Welsh national team is right now. Okay. <clears throat> well, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no better feeling than playing for your country, representing your country with your fellow kind of uh, people that understand your, your culture and your passion. Um, and we're such a small country that like, it kind of makes us a little bit kind of closer together. You know, I think I've played alongside some of the girls for Wales for, I mean, over 15 years now, you know, and so you kind of definitely build up a different type of relationship when you do that. Um, where we're at, actually, we're in a really exciting place right now. Um, we start our qualifying campaign for the World Cup um, next month, actually. And I, we have a new manager who's who's fabulous. I can't speak any any highly of her. She's she's brilliant and kind of a, has brought in a real different energy to our group than we've had before. Um, and so I actually think we're at that point now where we we can be and we should be qualifying for for a major tournament. And so you know I. I was having an RM before this, whether I was going to stay on or not, just because I've been here for so long. Um, but I definitely feel like I have another kind of campaign in me because, one, I want to qualify with Wales more than anything in the world. But two, I really want to work with our manager over the next few years because I think she will take our game to another level and will play in a different way and have a little different more kind of principles and so I'm excited to be a part of that group if that makes sense you know for so long we've kind of been this we sit back we counter-attack you know and it's it, it's it's important and it was very important for us at that time but now our new manager is adding like a different layer to our game and it's it's really exciting like I'm excited for it so so that that kind of makes you it makes it more fun to stay around and keep doing this when you're excited for it, you know? Um, I added this to the chat, but according to your Wikipedia page, 119 appearances. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of games. Yeah. That is a lot of games. Most importantly, that's a lot of travel. Like it's okay to play domestically 100, 119 games, but to play internationally, you're all over the map. Um, I just have one more question. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of a two part, but talking about the struggles of, of still being a female athlete in, yeah. uh, in professional sports. Right. Um, you know, I think our fans have a good idea of what it's like for our players to travel right now with, you know, chartered flights and, um, you know, some of the perks and bonuses of being in major league soccer, but now shifting gears and looking at the NWSL and, you know, the challenges that, uh, you, you guys still face. Uh, and then the second part of that question is, do you think it's enough to just be a, a professional athlete now, or is there a bigger mission behind what you're doing as you get older, uh, being 34 and, um, you know, being in Seattle and, is it just enough to be a professional athlete or are, are, are women ahead of the curve in putting themselves out there for the issues that they're, that they're fighting for uh, on a daily basis? Um, whether that's orientation, um, you know, stuff that's in the media, it always seems like the women are a bit more um, vocal about social issues than the men are um, kind of a loaded question and a few in there, but why do you think that is? And bigger picture is it just enough now to be a professional athlete or is it more important to now have a purpose behind what you're doing yeah uh great question um look i think for us as female athletes we're in a there is i still don't think there's any point in comparing a male athlete and a female athlete there's 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 no comparison here other than we just play the same sport that's it everything else you're saying chartered flights we sure as hell don't get chartered flights. So, you know, we're just waiting. We're having delays. We have to get up at four o'clock in the morning yesterday. It's why I missed the podcast yesterday because I'm so tired. You saw my group. I'm just sleeping throughout the whole day to try and get back to a level playing field just for my body to then try and, and make it go through hell again tomorrow, right? So it's very, very different for us. What a, what a, professional athlete looks like for for a woman is very different to what it looks like for for a man you know and so that that is something that we're just fighting in general but I feel like that's a life fight you know I don't feel like that's just a professional athlete fight but we have a bigger platform so you hear about that far more than you do kind of in the corporate world or whatever and so is it okay to just be a professional athlete do you know what but I don't think it's ever been okay to just be a professional athlete you know I think we get so caught up sometimes in our own little bubble that we actually kind of need to take a step out of it and realize how the world looks, what the world is, um, what is okay about it, what is not okay about it, and how can we help type thing. I do believe that the women are far, far more kind of progressive with that than, than the male side of it. And I think that's for a number of reasons. Um, it, I actually believe that it's because we don't have what the men have that we we are we are able to use our voice far more. Um, I think I don't want to say our club has less control over us. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I definitely feel in the men's game, there's so much money, there's so much corporate side of it, there's so much endorsements, there's so much sponsors that everything that you say is completely controlled by your club, by your PR management, by this, by that. People's social medias are not even run by themselves in the men's game because why would they? They don't need that. Somebody else does it. They know exactly what to do. They, people are so scared of what their voice says and that they will offend this person or what they say means that these won't sponsor them anymore or this won't do that. Like 
we don't really have that problem. I mean, the 0.1% of women's athletes have that problem, but the majority of us don't for one. So I think that allows us to turn around and say, you know what, I don't care. This is right. This is wrong. And it needs to get better. And so we're able to do that. And I think we want to, I think right now we're changing the landscape of, of the kind of thought process of brands you know they're not just looking at you to go and post something and then that's fine they're now looking at do you represent what we want to represent and athletes are now doing the same thing they don't just want to work with brands now they want to work with people that represent the right thing and I do think that the women athletes are 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 the only ones doing that. And I would like to see more of the male kind of side to do it. I just don't know how that begins, to be honest. Absolutely fantastic breakdown, I think, that I think we all agree. I think you hit on so many um, great points that could be a whole convo for themselves. Um, that leads me into the last one for me. And maybe because I'm from the UK, I understand this a bit more. And I actually was just in Cardiff a couple of weeks ago. I stopped by Cardiff. Yeah, you were. Oh, uh, great place. I had a great time. I know. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but <laughs> you you have one of the honours that they give to, you know, United Kingdom, British citizens um, who have yeah. great services in different industries. I think yours services the sport and I think also to the LGBT community, if I'm not mistaken which was an MBE, which is um, huge, huge. I want, I want one of those. Um, you got an MBE, <laughs> I think, in 2018. So for those who don't know, explain what an MBE is and then just the pride and honor of actually being one of the few people to have one of those. Yeah, of course. Well, an MBE is a member of the British Empire. So obviously we are... We have the royal family and, and, and they kind of oversee what, what is happening in Britain. Um, and so they give out MBEs, OBEs, and then, you know, you can get knighted. Um, and basically, it's just when they recognize that civilians like myself, um, no more than I'm not civilian anymore. Um, <laughs> and you obviously play a huge part in in something in your country. So for me, it was towards women's sport. And then obviously my work for the LGBTQ community got recognized by um, the royal family. So then they take you out of being a civilian and you become a part of their kind of network. Um, and then you get to go to one of the palaces. So I got to go to Buckingham Palace at Christmas. It honestly was sensational because Christmas is my favorite time of the year. Um, and yeah, I got to go and I saw Prince Charles and got my little uh, my little badge, which is <laughs> so nice, and a little pin that I'm supposed to wear, but I'm so scared to wear it, so I don't. I just leave it at home to sit in in the cabinet. Uh, but no, it's nice. It, it meant a lot to me. I think it meant more to me my work with the LGBTQ community um, than the football side of it itself. Obviously, no, I've done a lot for women's sports in Wales specifically, um, which I can appreciate, but um, to be recognized for the work that I've done for the LGBTQ community obviously means a lot more to me personally. Um, so it was nice to kind of get recognized for both because it just, it kind of was nice for me to see that on and off the field and 
you know, like Brad said, like you just, is being a professional athlete enough? Like, no, it's not. And so that was really nice for me personally to get it for both those things. Love it, love it. Jess, we could talk to you all day. Um, absolute mm -hmm. pleasure. You're welcome back on any time, of course. Um, thanks for joining us. All the mm -hmm. best this weekend in Kansas. Hope Thank you guys you. come back with the three points and W. And then I actually will be, I think, at your game um, next week. So, I'll, oh, nice. I'll, yeah, and then obviously you guys have a double header coming up, um, Portland. Um, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll preview that one a bit more when it comes. But thanks for joining us. All the best. Enjoy Kansas and bring back the win. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. All right. Welcome back. Um, thanks for still being here. Again, thank you. Big, big thank you. Uh, she's on the road right at home. So for her to take the time out and join us, Jess Fishlock, thank you, thank you. Welcome back anytime. Um, we're going to get out of here, but before we go, a couple of fan questions, some over and under, and then we'll be out of your way. So, Keely, here are some of the questions. All right. Yes, I do. First question is from Not Rossi, and this is a Leagues Cup related. And he asks, I'm assuming a he. Uh, how do players feel slash get motivated for new tournaments like Leagues Cup? So how did the Sounders, you know, how do you guys like get up for these sort of like tournaments that sort of pop up? Especially when they're in mid-season. Um, money. Yeah. <laughs> There's big bonuses at the end of these tournaments. Usually, I don't know about this one. Um I would say there's there's still a lot of pride when you play against a, a team like this. And, and you saw when they showed the highlights of that Champions League game against Tigres at home, um, the reactions from the players and, and, and the crowd, when you win these games, it's awesome. There's, there's a fantastic feeling of, of pride and, um, um, you know, the soreness goes out the window at that point. But midseason, it can be really tough. And Steve and I have played in – countless games where you're traveling south of the border and then you come back and play an MLS game and then back down the next week to play a group game. Um, they've since switched that format, but still it's tough, tough to get up for them, but it's part of being a player and there's, you know, certain stigma. Maybe you're a player that wants to get bought. Maybe you're a player like Raul who was, was playing there and stuff in the media is like, Oh, he went to MLS and he's scoring goals. It must be a crap league. And then you go and you play against, uh, team in Tigres where you know what what I appreciate about Herc uh, being on that broadcast especially is I think it gave a lot of perspective to a lot of fans um, his knowledge of Liga MX and basically saying that any one of those players would be a TAM high level TAM or DP player on an MLS squad and I think that put a lot of perspective in in Sounders fans saying okay this is not like a slouch Tigres team they have the second highest or highest payroll in Liga MX um, so it wasn't a slouch game. And the fact that the Sounders put it on them like that is uh, impressive to say the least. Um, is it a barometer, a direct barometer? Kind of, because they're both in a certain point of their seasons. Um, but, I, you know, it's tough to get up from. Um, if the Sounders played on Saturday, I think mentally it's a little bit more difficult or on the weekend. So I think they had enough time in between. It was good scheduling to say, okay, I got my legs and uh, got enough recovery facing the next game. But, yeah, money, getting seen. Um, yeah. You know, you're on national TV, too. 
There's a yeah. lot of things to get up for. Yeah, I agree. If I would just say, yeah, for me, it's the opponent. Forget the tournament. If you're playing that kind of team, you want to compete against the better players and the best players in the region, why not? Why not? So it's a game in Seattle against a good team. I think the motivation part of it is easy. I think that's easy. If you, if you, if you want to be a high-level athlete, I think it's easy. Mark Gomez was amazing on that broadcast. And if he ever wants to join us, please oh, yeah. do. Um, yeah. All right. Next question is from DS Punk. Who are, so you guys have actually talked a lot about um, how the Sounders have the best, probably like roster on paper. And his question is, who are the ideal starters after everyone is healthy, um, not counting Jordan Morris? Um, I mean, I think the team kind of, the question marks would be, you know, you can do some juggling at center back, maybe that back three. You know, Luhu, I think is locked in. Yema, I think is locked in. For me, I'd play Shane O'Neill. Yeah. Um, Ovariaga, I think that'd be my three. Um, Brad Smith, Alex Rodan, Christian and Joe Paulo, Nico. Who, who I've got left? Will and Raul. Raul, Will and Raul. Will, yeah. Will and Raul, Montero. Yeah, Montero and Will is a toss up, and then Raul play. So I think, and I think that is the sound of the best team. I don't think it's, I think it kind of, well, then Jim Madrando is very close. I think he's, yeah, he's very, very close. He's going to push Bryce Smith very close to me. So, yeah, that's where you have the depth. But, yeah, I think something similar to that. I think um, it's, you have some rocks, Nico, I think Nuhu, Stefan Fry, Raul, Christian, Jao. I think those guys have to play Yamar. But then a couple of spots can compete. But I think Bryce said in the probably is a very good team when fully fit. We haven't seen it. It's probably the best team in the West on paper and on the pitch um, when fully fit, I would say. I mean, I think Kellen Rowe adds a bit of experience yeah. when he's on the field too. And I think pushing Alex right now, because, you know, I think we had this conversation. Well, maybe we haven't because we haven't had a podcast in a while, but somewhere we were talking about, okay, how does Alex reset and get back to the form yeah. we saw when he was pushing to be a part of the national team? Yeah. Like that hunger needs to stay there the entire time, but there is this mental yeah. uh, dip and it happens naturally and I don't know why but you get so hyped up emotionally for being with your national team and then you have this thought like okay I'm just gonna go and the level's so so much higher when you get in with your national team and I don't care if it's El Salvador or U.S. the level is higher because Mm -hmm. everything is heightened when you step in there so I don't care if you're a Jamaican national you're whatever you get into a situation where every practice is just everyone's fighting a little bit harder there's a lot on the line and then you think in your head okay, well, I'm going to go back to my club team where top to bottom, maybe it's not as good. And what I mean by not as good is that I think when you go in with El Salvador, top to bottom, it's a roster of very similar players, right? And when you come to the Sounders, it's very different. You've got, um, you know, 16-year-olds who don't have too much experience. uh, And then you've got a very, very high level one through 13, probably. Yeah. And when you go and there's comparisons there to be made, but there's um, there's differences and, and there's similarities there. But when you come back, there's some sort of dip. And so I, I, I just want to see Alex really get back to where he was and, and getting good service on the ball and, and taking guys on. And, uh, you know, I think that Roe can push in the midfield and also he can push Alex to say, OK, well, if Alex isn't giving us service, then maybe we put Kellen out there for, you know, keeping the ball experience. Um, and maybe providing us some service too. So, yeah, yeah I, I think we're in a good position when everyone's healthy to, to push each other, to push each other. 
It's just exciting that the Sounders depth is so good that we have to like actually have these debates about certain positions because I think that's sort of the next step in Major League Soccer and its development is having guys who have to really push for a starting position rather than having, you know, your first 11 or your first 13, like be really good. And then, but you're not really competing with other guys. Um, So it's exciting. It's just exciting. All right. Our last little thing guys is our over under uh, presented by Emerald Casino, official uh, partner of Sounders FC. And today's over unders. All right. First one, we sort of talked about supporter shield, but I have over under points to win the supporter shield. I have it at 68.5. You think it's going to take more or less than 68.5 to win the supporter shield? Let me see where they're at right now. So, crush halfway through. I think it'll take more than that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go over. To win supporter shield, yeah, I mean, New England's at 40 already, and they've got 15 games to go. I mean, yeah. They'll get, yeah, they'll get, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be over. It'll be okay. Low, low 70s. All right, over for both. Okay, um, so this is about the upcoming double header that um, between Rain and Thorns and Sounders and Timbers, um, end of August. So, total goals by Rain and Sounders. Mm-hmm. I have over under at 6.5. So, if both teams score three, oh, are they going to get more or less than that? Under. Um, I'll go over on this one. At home, I mean, how many fans are going to be in the stadium? Yeah, it's going to be hyped. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be hyped <laughs> up, dude. Uh, I'll go over just because of the occasion. And um, yeah, I, I hope to see goals galore. Yeah. And I think NW, NWSL standings are actually, um, they're pretty dang close. I think if I think if the, if, if, if the rain win uh, this weekend, they can potentially jump up to second. On a, as of today, uh, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, uh, the Rain are on a three-game winning streak, and they have four wins out of their last five. So if ever there was a time to go to Tacoma and watch them, now is the time. Also, I went to my first Rain game uh, a couple weeks ago and had the best time in the world. Like, it was so much fun. The atmosphere was amazing. The play on the field is incredible like go check them out in Tacoma like you are not going to regret it it's a lot of fun a lot of fun um all right that's our over under for today and that's kind of that's it for me guys thanks as always for tuning in Seattle Sounders away to Portland Timbers this weekend 7 p.m kickoff on FS1 this Sunday and then midweek Seattle plays always the best we'll be doing that broadcast tune in and then we'll be back next week on side by side to hopefully recap a couple of victories and then preview the Columbus crew game coming up side by side thank you Josh Fisler for joining us good luck Sounders good luck Rain we'll be back next week